Okay, let me interrupt those conversations. We're going to pull us back together again. We're going to turn to God's Word. So grab a Bible. You're, you're turning to Romans chapter 8. It's page 1135. Ben Merton is going to read for us, and then David will come and, and speak. So the reading, as John said, is from Romans chapter 8, verses 28 to 30, on page 1135 of the Church Bibles. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. Thanks, Ben, for reading that. Um, And let me add my welcome uh, as well to John's, if you're visiting here with us. Uh, It's lovely to have you at Christ Church and here in Cambridge uh, today. We've been looking at this chapter in Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 8, a a chapter that's written uh, to encourage Christians. So if you're you're joining with us, you're you're diving into the middle of it uh, with us as we think about it. Uh, Let me ask you, is it... Uh, has it been a good week or a bad week? How would you answer that question? Uh, back in uh, 1563, uh, some time ago, some of you might remember it, the Heidelberg Catechism uh, was written to help teach Christians. It was a series of questions and answers uh, that people would learn. Question 27 was about God's providence. And that's the doctrine that God provides for his people in all things. And here's what it says, question 27. Uh, What do you understand by the providence of God? And here's the answer. Uh, The almighty and ever-present power of God by which God upholds, as with his hand, heaven and earth and all creatures, and so rules them that leaf and blade, rain and drought, fruitful and lean years, food and drink, health and sickness, Prosperity and poverty, all things, in fact, come to us, not by chance, but by his fatherly hand. And what do you think about that? All things, in fact, come to us, not by chance, but by his fatherly hand. The knowledge of God's providence has been a comfort for God's people through the years, A sure and steady anchor for the fearful and troubled believer. A secure fortress for those who feel the pressure of living for God in a hostile world. A rock-solid foundation from which even young Christians can begin to confidently live for God in risky ways. Providence is God's fatherly hand holding your hand now, right now, in whatever situation you're going through. And always providing for you. Now you might ask, what does that mean? Where do we get that from? 
or from all over the Bible. But this morning we're looking at just three verses. These three verses from Romans. And the reading started this way in verse 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. There it is. And on a good week, on a good week that feels lovely, doesn't it, to read verses like that. Read it on a bad week and it's confusing. It's talking about God providentially working for your good in all things. And Paul says, we know that. We're confident about it. And you think, or you could ask Paul, how do I know that? And he gives two reasons in these verses that lead us towards knowing this. You think about this question, who, who enjoys the knowledge of God's providential care? And here's the first thing Paul says, it's, it's those who discover they love God. That's verse 28, isn't it? And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. At this part of the letter, it's written to encourage Christians, and by way of encouragement, Paul says, look, just remember your love for God. Why would he do that? Why would he talk that way to them and to you and me? Most of the time when he speaks about love in the letter, it's God's love for us, and that feels much more encouraging, I think. And why get me thinking about my love for God, which, if I'm honest, can be flaky? And I wonder if the reason is something like this. So when I think about my love for God, when I begin to measure it, I tend to think it doesn't amount to much, which is true. My love for God is not something I'd boast about. But I think Paul would say, if you feel anything like that, Paul would say, remember who you are in the world you live in. If you've read through Romans, you'll know earlier on in the, in the book, back in chapter 3, he describes people like you and me in this way. He says, as it is written, as it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There's no one who seeks God. And Paul says, that's what you were like. That's what you were like. Morally bankrupt. Do you forget about your nice jobs and your nice houses and your nice manners and your nice families? Paul says, when it comes to God, you had nothing morally bankrupt. You didn't think about God or life properly. You weren't even looking for God. You were implacably opposed to him. That was you. But God did something, not because we were asking or looking, certainly not because we deserved it in any way. No, just because of the sheer overflowing abundance of his grace, God invaded this world in the person of his son. And so Paul writes later in Romans, in chapter 5, he says these words, you see, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. That's how he saved us from God's wrath. As Paul carries on through this letter, a bit later he explains, look, when we became Christians, God changed us. He didn't just give us new things to do, he changed us from the inside out. And Paul it writes this way, for in my inner being, I delight in God's law. I didn't used to, but I do now. I'm not just ignoring God now. I've started wanting to live for him. Paul said, but it's a struggle, but there's a change that's taking place. If, 
If you're a Christian, you know this, don't you? If you're a Christian here this morning, you, you know there was a time when you were nowhere with God, not interested him in at all. But then you heard about Jesus, you heard the gospel message, and you were changed by it. Your life was heading down a one-way street in the wrong direction. You had no love for God, but he saved you and changed the direction of your life. That's what happened. And when you say, I feel I don't love God very much, Paul says that we should be amazed that we love God at all. Loving God in Jesus, you think about it this way, loving God in Jesus is the mark of a genuine Christian. It's not just believing certain truths about God. It's not assenting to things just intellectually. It'll involve that, but it's more than that. The loving God sums up the basic inner direction that all real Christians have. See, I think of friends who've said, being a Christian, I, I just couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. All, that, all those rules you have to keep, I just couldn't do something like that. I couldn't live that way. And it's funny as I've thought about that, because it doesn't really feel like that. First of all, I'm not a Christian because I've kept all the rules. That's certainly not true. But secondly, my genuine feeling is not, look at all the things I have to do now as a Christian. No, my feeling is much more, I wish I did it more. Why am I such a muck up? Why can't I even do the good things that this God who loves me asked me to do? And when you ask, how can I know? How can I know if God is really at work for my good in me and for me? Paul says, don't you know? Don't you know how much work God has already done for your good to get you to the point where you've begun to love him? Jesus came and he worked for you and for me all the way to the cross. And it's changed the direction of your life. So you love him now. If you're a Christian here this morning, and if you find yourself looking out into a world that has hardship and difficulty, pain and grief, and you find yourself saying, God, will you help me live for you through this? Where does that come from? Do you think that's natural to you? Do you think you could work up that feeling of affection towards God just in yourself? No, God's been at work for your good through Jesus to cause you to love him. That's what Paul's getting at here. So we, we do begin to know God works for the good of those who love him because that love for God is part of the evidence, part of the evidence of his work in our lives. One of my friends, when her mum eventually died of the MS that, that progressively robbed her of almost every function in life, now, the week or so after she died, my friend bumped into one of her neighbors. And her neighbor, knowing that she was a Christian, said, given what's happened to your mum, given all that happened to your mum, I don't know how anyone could believe in God when things like that happen. Ouch. You feel the pain of that, don't you? That hurts, a comment like that. Not only is it saying your mum's died, but there's no one who cares. There's no God who loves you. My friend's response, quick as a flash. 
I wish I could have responded. I wish I could respond at times as quick as this. Quick as a flash, she said back to her, knowing what's happened to my mum, I don't know how anyone could cope who didn't believe in the God I know. And you hear what she's saying? I don't know all the details, but I love God and I trust him. And I know that in the sadness of life, he's not some passive observer from the sidelines. He's still at work and it helps me. See, who enjoys, who enjoys the knowledge of God's providential care? Well, it's those who've discovered God saved and changed them and found they love and trust him, even when things are hard. Many of you have found that, haven't you? You've found that change of direction, haven't you? So be encouraged by it. It's one of the ways you know God's at work in your life, always at work for your good. Uh, that's one of the reasons Paul gives. And the other one is this. Who, who enjoys the knowledge of God's providential care? Well, it's, it's those who are held by God's loving purpose. I came across this picture on the internet. Have you, you seen this kind of meme that goes up? You know, this feeling? You see the first picture, as the father sees it. Second one, as the child sees it. Third one, as, as the mother sees it. I, I know that kind of experience in our house um, when our boys say, I'm going to jump off the stairs, mummy. You catch me. And mummy says, no, no, that's not my job. I don't do that. Daddy does that. It's that kind of feeling, isn't it? It's great being little, isn't it? I think, in lots of ways. I was thinking about that because there, there are certain things I think I miss now, now that I've sort of grown up, now that I've got a big body. Certain things I look at in the little boys in our family and I'm slightly envious of. You know that feeling of being given a big hug by someone who's so much bigger and they nicely swamp you? You know when you're small and you're just enveloped in a warm and loving hug that just holds you and it's tight and it's strong, but not in a way that makes you feel oppressed. It's just lovely to be wrapped up in that. Or do you remember this feeling? I was thinking about this, this feeling when you're little and you know you're walking up a hill, you've been dragged out for a walk. Maybe you've been complaining and the big people have been complaining back to you and their complaints don't seem to, to help you at all. Your legs are getting tired, you're fed up. But then a strong hand from a parent comes onto your back. And as they begin to push gently, you lean back into their hand. Do you remember that feeling of just leaning back into their hand a little bit, even as you're walking and you feel that strong hand supporting you and begin to move you forward? I miss that feeling. I was thinking about it, that feeling of just leaning back into somebody who's stronger, who supports you and moves you forward. Do I miss that? Except it's here in these verses. You see that? Look again at verse 28. And Paul writes this, and we, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, uh, who have been called according to his purpose. What does that last little bit mean? Well, I think it means that if you're someone who knows this, God, it means your life is not ultimately like a little boat adrift on a vast sea. You feel like that sometimes, don't you? And your life is not ultimately like a little boat adrift on a vast sea, only being directed by your own efforts to catch some wind, ride some waves. 
And don't mishear me, for all of us, life does require all sorts of effort to be exerted, doesn't it? It does feel there are wind and waves in life we're trying to navigate. Uh, The unexpected bad results that scupper the first university choice. Uh, The job opportunity decision you didn't have to, you didn't expect you were going to have to make. Uh, The awkwardness as friends talk about the latest gay pride event and you realize being a Christian who trusts what God says is going to put you in a tricky place. Or planning life as a single person when you, you hoped you'd be married by now. And finding, thinking through, it's just a little thing, but it feels at times other people don't understand all the decisions you've got to make as a single person. You'd long to have someone else to talk them through with. You've not got that in the same way. Or the diagnosis in your 30s. And what that means for your family. It would be mad to say, wouldn't it? It would be mad that we don't have to navigate things like this and more. But Paul's saying, even in those things, even those things are not ultimately leading your life. No, this says there is a someone who is personal, who knows you, who has called you and called you with a purpose in mind. It's verse 29. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. That word predestination one isn't when you read it in the Bible. People say things like, isn't it a little confusing? It is, isn't it a little hard to understand? John said I would explain all those things earlier. And I'm going to say, look, you ponder it. You think about it. See what we do here? We sidestep things like that. <laughs> you ponder it because the Bible's not embarrassed by it. That's what it says. And it does say, if you're a Christian, it's because he chose you before you'd done anything. But make sure you understand what Paul wants you to hear. He's saying your life beginning to end. Your life beginning to end and everything that is before and beyond that is held by someone much bigger and kinder than you. And his purpose was to make you into a certain kind of person. That's verse 29. Predestined to be conformed to the image of his son so that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. God's purpose, God's purpose was to make Jesus the older brother in a large and wonderful family where you are part of that family and also reflect the family likeness. If you had to sum up your, word, uh, your life in four words, I wonder, I wonder if you could do it. Uh, sum up your life in kind of four words. What would it be like at the moment? Would it be work, sleep, work, weekend? The football season started. For some of you, it's probably sport, 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 sport. For others, it might be Instagram, Snapchat, WhatsApp, YouTube. Four words you use. Paul does it with Five. Verses 29 and 30, five words. Foreknew, predestined, called, justified, glorified. It's the work God is doing for you. He foreknew you, predestined you. Before you'd even done anything, before you existed, he was already working for you. He called you by the gospel. 
He justified you, made you right with himself, forgave you through Jesus, and he glorified you. That's yet to happen in your experience, but because it's by God and it's a done deal, Paul speaks about it as if it's past tense. And if that's true, and it is, it also begins to help us when we think about what it means when Paul says, in all things, God works for the good. He's not talking about holidays or your house or relationships or a career. I can't just define good in any way I want. No, the good God is working towards is conforming you into the likeness of Jesus so you enjoy your place in his family. And that means when bad things happen, God doesn't ask you to pretend that they're really good. No, he'll say to you they're bad. Illness is bad. Unemployment is bad. Relational strife is bad. But he is saying even through those things, the God who calls you can and will always work for your good in moving you in the direction of his purpose to become more like Jesus. This is saying that this God is so in control of everything that even evil things done to you, he can subvert and in the end, ultimately, can use them to serve you. And we know that if we've been Christians for any time, don't we? We know that as we think about the cross. You ask the question, is the cross a good thing or a bad thing? And there's an honest answer that we'd have to say, it's a bad thing, it's the worst thing that's ever happened. The innocent son of God who's put through the sham of a mock trial and found guilty of things he hadn't done and sentenced to death in the most cruel and unkind way, it's a bad thing. And yet as we look at the cross, we'd also say, no, it's a good thing, isn't it? It's the best thing. It's the best thing that's ever happened. The innocent son of God died that death for you and me so we could be set free from sin and made right with God. And that means when we're, when we're thinking about this question, good week, bad week, you realize for us it's a kind of complicated question. If bad things happen, there's an honest answer for the Christian that just says, yes, it was a bad week. I feel miserable at the end of it. I wish it had been different. There's a right and honest answer that says that, and it's right to say that at times. But there's also another honest answer we can always give that says every week, every week is a good week for me in this sense. Because whatever happens, God never stops being at work to keep moving me closer to his great purpose for my life, to be like Jesus. So who enjoys the knowledge of God's providential care? Or those who know they love God and those who are held by God's loving purpose in Jesus for them. Are those truths, they're they're serious ones, aren't they? They're not just light and frothy because we know the realities of life. How do we use this? Here's two things to try. The first one is this. Think about it deeply for yourself. I think this is a gospel truth that's good to think about and pray in personally. Are you facing hard things? 
Have you felt forgotten by God? And remind yourself where he's brought you from and where he's taking you to. Remind yourself that in this present difficulty, God's not asking you to pretend that it's easy or it's good in itself. But that he is wanting to assure you that even through this, he is in control and will use it to make you more like Jesus. And that is always a very good thing. You are not at the mercy of things that happen to you. There is a strong hand on you. And his mighty voice calls you. And here's the second thing. Try and use it carefully with others. There's a danger, isn't there, as we discover the problems other people have. We think we know uh, what's going on. And we think we have an easy solution. We'll just say this to them or that to them. We, We could use verses like this in a kind of glib way. Oh, don't worry, God will be working for your good, which is true. But it might not help get that truth, the truth of this earth, under the skin of our friends. Uh, These verses speak of a God who is sovereign and relational, who is adopting people into his family through Jesus, who loves them and doesn't trivialize their pain. So he takes care. And we want to aim to take care like him. Let's pause for a moment. Maybe there's some things you want to think about. And maybe there's a friend you just want to pray about who's going through difficult things. Or maybe there's something you want to say to God. So let's just have a brief moment of quiet. Quiet.